0: Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight, that I might not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. This was an election year, as we all know, and I have to confess that I get a little bit depressed during election years. Uh, no matter who wins, I get a little bit depressed. So some of you might be depressed for one reason or, or another, but I have to admit that I uh, am an optimist. And the reason why I get depressed is because I see election after election where people make these promises with these really handy, cute slogans. You know, I think of forward, how hopeful was this year, and also believe in America, very hopeful. Um, and I think of past years, you know, hope even, and change, and other things that are forward-looking that have this subtle hint of a vague promise that's not specific enough to be carried out. And I think of that, and the reason why I get depressed is because I I want, it's too easy for me to want to hope in a human, earthly leader. I want there to be someone who is like me, who is able to lead me and the people around me into the perfect nation. I want the government to be perfect. I want it to be better, at least. I always want something to be better. And it's that optimist in me that can then wildly, it's dangerous. If you're an optimist and you're placing your hope in the wrong thing, you can all too easily then swing in the opposite direction and become a pessimist. Right? Have have you ever noticed that? That pessimists are disappointed optimists? (laughs) I'd like to suggest a different way of being. I'd like to suggest a way of finding true hope that's realistic. And I, I would suggest that the true hope that we can find is when we place our hope in the right kind of leader. Yahweh knew this when the people of Israel begged Samuel for a king. It wasn't one of the lessons that we read today. But in First Sam, Samuel chapter 8, the leaders of Israel ask Samuel for a king because they want to be like other nations around them. Samuel is displeased because it, feel, it feels to him as though the people have rejected him as their leader. But the Lord says to him, no, it's not that they're rejecting you. It's actually that they're rejecting me as their king because Yahweh is the king of Israel. And yet, knowing that these all too human Israelites would be disappointed in whatever king they gave him, he gave them, and knowing that whatever king he gave them would fail them on some level, he still opted to give them a king that I think that Yahweh was so clearly paving the way for his own son. Yahweh was so clearly preparing them through a series of major disappointments. Even the best king of them all, right? King David failed in a very public way. He was preparing them through that series of failures and disappointments for the only leader in whom they could truly place their hope And their trust. Jesus Christ is both human and divine. As being divine, he fulfills Yahweh's role as king over Israel. And he's also the culmination of that human line of kings that David, uh, that are descended from David. In him is united the desire of his subjects to be ruled by one like ourselves. We want to follow someone who's like us, who knows us, who knows what it's like to go through the things that we've gone through. But in Jesus also, Yahweh is reigning. God's perfect rule is made manifest in Jesus, the King. In the revelation of St. John, we see John describe God as the one who sits on the throne, the one who sits on the throne is described as the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. So there are two things about Jesus' king- kingship that I'd like to highlight. That sense of eternity. That he is, um, he is king in the past and in the present and in the future. Yahweh himself is eternal as shown in this three-part name. And we see that as Yahweh is eternal, the one who was before all time, the one who is now, and the one who will be when nothing else exists, the eternal one. Um, We see him also described by John as the Alpha and the Omega. This title uses that first letter of the Greek alphabet and that last letter to show that God is um, from the beginning and through to the end, and everything from beginning to end is encompassed under his rule. He is Lord over all from beginning to end. But we see it also used in Revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Later on in chapter 22, Jesus Himself calls, he calls himself the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the eternal Word, God's own Son, born as a human being, born both human and divine. He is also described by John as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of earth. Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we as his subjects, as citizens in God's kingdom in this present age, can take comfort both from the fact that he is human and divine, and then also from the fact that he is eternal. He exists in the past, He exists as Lord today, and he exists into the future. So how do we know this except that we celebrate? We're coming upon Advent. We celebrate his first coming. We'll prepare for the celebration of Jesus' birth, that God became like us. He became vulnerable. He knew what it was like to suffer and even to die. And the way that he suffered and died uh, was such a manifest presentation of God's own love for us. I think of that beautiful song we just sang, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. That picture of Jesus on the cross giving himself for us, for those subjects of his kingdom, for those fallen wayward ones, for us. And then also of Jesus returning again as the victorious king. He will come back. So we, as we look to Jesus' eternal nature, we can take comfort because we look to his past. We look to Jesus' own historical past. That real moment that actually happened in human history when he gave himself to die for us. And that will bring us comfort in this present day and age as we struggle in the midst of adversity, as we struggle especially with our own recurring sin in this in-between time. And then it also brings us hope for the future as we look to see him as the king of glory coming on the clouds of heaven. He will come again. And it's that knowledge, that knowledge that he has been victorious over death and he will return at the end of this age. And upon his return, all of the adversity that we've experienced in this life will be over. The suffering that we might be experiencing right now, whether it's some kind of illness or the pain of a loved one, some kind of frustration with our job or a financial disappointment or even worse, relational difficulty, whether with a family member, a parent, a spouse, a child, all of that will one day end. And so we can look in confidence to Jesus our King as the one who is Lord over the past, who has brought us out of sin, as we look to faith in him and we look to the cross, and as we look again to the future, to his coming in victorious glory, that alone is where we can find that kind of hope in the present that allows us to hope in something real, not just some illusory, vague, generalized promise. No slogans for us. Our king is real. He is victorious and he's coming back. Hallelujah.